hi, Christine. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to be chatting with you today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. No, I'm really excited, really excited to speak to you because the first thing I want to ask you is all about your background and your career. I know you've done some pretty incredible things so far um, within the modeling world, actressing, but also in um, the 3D world. So if you could just give me a background of what you've been doing, that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I basically got into fashion through modeling. So I was modeling as a teenager, uh, as an older teenager, and I basically walked for all of the big brands. I was walking the runways for Tom Ford when he was at Gucci and at Saint Laurent, for Dior, for, you know, basically you know all the big brands at the time. And I made a pretty decent network within fashion and have maintained that network till today. So I think that when you're a model, you get to see fashion from many different, you know, you get to see many different aspects of fashion. You are either seeing the end product when you're walking the runway, but I was a fit model as well. So I was working as a fit model for Victoria Beckham. So you see that part of the process as well, how they're creating the garment, how they're actually deciding how to fit the garment and all those things. So you actually get to see a wide range of areas. Whereas if you work in another part of fashion, a lot of times I think you're only siloed to that particular part, whether you're working in merchandising or you're working in e-com as a model, you get to freely move between multiple places. And I think that gave me a really interesting perspective on the fashion industry. And then um, I went to Princeton. I got a degree in psychology and neuroscience and moved out to LA. Uh, I worked in entertainment, so I, I did a bunch of TV and movies and things like that, which also got me access to the whole world of celebrity styling, red carpet dressing, which is which is part of the fashion industry, but different than you know, runways and, and things like that. Yeah. And then while well, doing all of that... Interrupt. So you had a... You were working as a model in the fashion industry and then you chose to do your degree in neuroscience. What chose that shift? Well, I had already been accepted to university before I started modeling. I had just deferred my my enrollment there. So I guess it's like in the US, not as many people take gap years as they do abroad. I mean, in the UK, it's quite popular to take a gap year. Yeah. But in the US, people don't do it as much. And I guess for me, I kind of saw it as like a gap year. I did two gap years. Uh, so basically I'd been accepted and I told them I had this really fantastic opportunity to travel the world and, you know, do this modeling and, and meet really interesting people and work with some of the most creative people I've ever met. So I basically deferred my enrollment, but I didn't want to lose my spot there. I thought that it was still as unique an opportunity to go to Princeton and to be able to be taught by some of the best minds in the world as it was to model. So I uh, I would have lost my spot had I not matriculated at all. So I, I didn't want to do that and I went back and it, I thought it was a great decision. I still think it was a great decision. Yeah, that's really interesting, that kind of contrast. But yeah, well worth it, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, and this is totally different from, I guess, everything else we'll talk about today. But I, I do think that sometimes when you're a model, because everything you're doing is based on what you look like, uh, your self-esteem and your self-worth gets all really wrapped up in that. 
And if you don't have another outlet or another way that you can sort of self-determine your own worth and self-esteem and you only base it on what you look like, I think it becomes problematic in the long term. So I think for me, now that I'm older, having gone to university and getting a degree and, and studying allowed me to feel that it wasn't just what I looked like. It was, you know, other things as well that created me as a person. And not that you need university to tell you that, but I think it helped. No, I think that's a really good message and a good reminder for anyone. So, yeah, I'm glad you said that. So, yeah, so then after I was I was in L.A. and I actually was doing um, a ton of voiceover. So I was doing VO for commercials, for TV, for film and for video games. And that was my first sort of introduction into the video game space. And I was doing VO for them. And then people had heard that I had a dance background. So I got asked if I wanted to do some motion capture for one of the characters. And I said, well, I don't know what motion capture is. Then when they explained it to me, I said, wow, that sounds fantastic. Yes, of course, I'd love to wear that suit and run around a stage and you know, move, do some dance moves and roll around and other things. So I started getting into that. And then through that really became obsessed with the 3D space, as well as, you know, real-time motion capture. I learned how to use a bunch of the 3D softwares. And I, I really saw it being the future and it being the future outside of gaming. So when I got involved with it, not as a gamer, I said to myself, wow, this technology is going to be used everywhere eventually. And I want to be involved with it now. So in 2017, I created my own avatar. I scanned myself in a photogrammetric rig out here in LA and built my own avatar and was messing around with it, trying to dress it. There was no clothing really for avatars at that time. That was cool. I could yeah. dress my avatar in like a Wonder Woman-esque suit, but that was about it. You couldn't even really get a t-shirt and jeans at the time for your avatar. Now you can get everything. So it was, and what, and what was it space. that made you believe that it was going to take off? Was it purely just your own interest in it? And then you assumed others would have that? Or was it something that you learned when you were um, doing this work that made you believe that it would become as big as it's becoming? I think it was a mixture of both. I think I was fascinated by it. I think I saw the potential when I scanned myself. I saw the potential of, wow, if you can actually get this photorealistic scan of a human, and as we get better and better at, you know, real-time graphics, and this is going to be the future, and it isn't going to be relegated to only games. I saw the potential for it in film, which is, you know, part of my background as well. And then outside of film, I thought, oh, once it becomes even more democratized, people can use it in other ways. And so... I, I really started thinking, how can I get involved and how can I get involved now? So I started a company in 2017 where we were scanning celebrities and allowing them to sort of own their own avatar or digital double and license it out to different productions rather than having them be scanned for every single production that they were doing. We wanted them to kind of control their own likeness in a way. I and what kind of productions would these be useful, for instance? For film, predominantly. Yeah. So it's actually, it's not a super well-known fact, but for a lot of big budget movies, the top three or four talent is required to have a digital double in order for the film to be insured. So in oh, case wow. of death or injury 
to that person, they can actually finish the film. That's so interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. See, it Most really it's quite a kind of your unique backgrounds really it explains why you have this interest because you can see the potential, like you're saying. So that's very interesting. Yeah, and it was it was fascinating. But the entire time I was doing that, I really because I had a background in fashion, I kept trying to figure out what I knew that there was a way to use the technology in fashion. And I was trying to figure out what that was, what was the best way to use it. I tried to sell my own avatar into fashion in 2017, and it was way too early. Fashion was basically like, what is this? Why would we want to use this? This is so weird. And no, what was the purpose <laughs> that you were selling it with? Well, at the time, I thought it could be interesting to just use it to show them that they could do it with their own models, right? So I went to a few of the different modeling agencies and said, hey, we should digitize your roster, and then you could have digital versions of your of your models, and you can use them in still photo shoots. You can also create you know, AR experiences using them, where fans of a brand could then create content using, you know, photos with these models in them, per se. So there were lots of different ideas that were going around, and it was sort of a proof of concept for that. But I went to three different large agencies. All of them said, no, we don't want to digitize our roster. Cut to COVID. And two of them called me asking, are you still doing that thing where you're digitizing the girls? Because no one could work. So I think COVID was really an accelerator for everything digital, but very much so um, a lot of 3D. Yeah, no, that's so true. And so where is it today? So then coronavirus happened and how did it go from there? So, yeah, so I, I had always wanted to figure out how I could use the technology in fashion. I started doing a lot of research at the last company and then decided, okay, I want to purely focus on fashion and avatars. And so I split off, created my own company, which is BODS, and um, in 2020, the end of 2020, and started working from there and basically saw, okay, what is the need right now? How can we, you know, fix that need for customers that are shopping fashion? And how do we take the customer on the journey to the next part of digital? So whether that is the metaverse, you know, web three applications, but where's the starting point? How do you get the customer engaged now? And how do you get them interacting with this technology, even if they're not the most tech savvy people, or they might not be incredibly tech forward? How do you create a product that is servicing a need for them that is easy to use it is you know high-end looking it's sexy it's mm. it's fun how do you get people to use it so that was basically what i did with bods and we have seen phenomenal results i mean i think one of the coolest things we've seen is that we're not just getting gen z using the product we have women in their 60s who are creating bods and trying on clothing because it is truly providing a utility for them. And what I think is great is they're creating it for this purpose, but now you can take them on that journey if you want to, and it's not a huge lift for them or a heavy, you know, a heavy lift. They basically have already created this thing and they can now decide to use it elsewhere if they want to. Yeah, and I love how you said um, it's bringing that utility because I really think that is the key with digital fashion and when consumers are actually going to get on board with it 
And I heard something that really kind of resonated me with the other day, that it's not about looking how it necessarily is right now, but thinking how it could be in the future. And it sounds like you're very much on that same wavelength as well. But what is it exactly that BODS does and how does it work? Yeah, sure. So BODS basically allows you as the customer to create a representation of your body, your BOD, that is accurately measured to you. And then to be able to try on clothes in real time on the e-commerce site before you check out. So one of the biggest problems with you know e-com right now, e-com is growing exponentially. And with COVID, you know, there was a growth in e-com that is people are not going to go back to stores in the same way that they did before. So e-com will just continue to grow. And the problem with e-com, especially when it comes to fashion and garments and apparel, is that nobody knows what size they are. So you're guessing at best, or you're using some algorithmic, you know, determination based on a size guide of, okay, I, I think I'm a small, but the problems there are really that size and fit are not the same thing. So you can be told you're a size small, but you as the customer have very subjective idea of fit. You can think that this thing looks amazing on you and your neighbor can think that same thing and they have the same body as you looks terrible and they would return it because fit is completely subjective. So my idea is that you have to show the customer what it's going to look like. You have to give them a visualization for them to make proper determination as to whether they like the way it fits or it doesn't. And so that's what we're doing with BODS. We're giving you the opportunity to see what it looks like on you to determine whether you like that fit or not, but also it's a styling playground. So you can try on that sweater with different, you know, pants, different shoes, swap out a bag and do all of that in real time. So you're really creating these looks and you're styling and you're looking at it in a holistic way on your own body. So you're not having to look at it on a model and compare yourself to that model, which oftentimes is a negative comparison. You're looking at it on you. You're determining if you like the way it looks and it fits and you're determining how you want to put that outfit together as a complete look. So I think that there's there's a lot of opportunity there for customers to experiment with their own style, to explore, and to feel comfortable maybe getting a different size that if they were in a true dress, dressing room, they might not feel as comfortable asking for, or it might be a garment that they might not feel comfortable trying on. And here you're really able to just play around and experiment in the comfort of your own home, but get real information. I think that's incredible. I think the issue of fit in the fashion industry is it, yeah, it causes so many issues from sustainability, but also um, from just a consumer point of view and knowing you've made the right purchase. So I think the fact that you're tackling that is amazing. So mm -hmm. is it, is it right in thinking that you would need a e-commerce with 3D renders in order to put to try them out on the avatar or are you able to um use some sort of image of the of the garment how does it actually work yeah so we're using it's full 3d so all of the garments that you're trying on onto your bod are 3d garments and it depends we're working with some brands that have 3d assets already in-house and they're building them out and then we have other brands that don't have 3D in their pipeline yet, and we're doing the uh, creation of the 3D garments and assets for them. And um, the, the reason for this is that we need to create the garments to spec, right? The only way you can actually tell your customer if 
this is the true way it's going to fit you is if you know the actual measurements and the specs of that garment. So we can't just take a photo and sort of stretch that image or those pixels. We, we can, but if we did do that, we wouldn't be giving you as the customer accurate information about that fit. We need yeah. to take into account what is it made of? What is the fabric? You know, what are what are all those measurements when you're creating the garment? So that's why everything is created in 3D. But also, I think when you think about it from the perspective of how can you use these assets going forward and how can you use them outside of BODs, we want to be part of the digital fashion revolution as well. Mm -hmm. So we are creating these 3D assets not only to use them in BODs, but to be able to use them elsewhere too. Exactly. And that's what's so amazing with these um with 3D technology is that it allows you to create and repurpose 3D assets. So you could use these for brand campaigns and it's also more sustainable because there's less waste, but then also you can use them um, as NFTs and sell them on once you're done with it. So there's just infinite uh, ways to use them. And I think that again is where we haven't scratched the surface with this technology. So I think that's incredible how you're tackling that. But how do you, where do you think, do you think you've achieved the quality that you want within the 3D renders? Because obviously producing a lot of 3D renders at scale and real to life is something that's hard, time consuming and costly at the moment. So how do you tackle that aspect of it and ensure that you still have the correct quality that you need? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things about BODs that's attracting people and that's attracting um, a whole bunch of luxury brands is that the quality is the best that exists right now. So we are producing the best quality assets for this purpose. The garments look absolutely photorealistic. The customer in lots of cases cannot tell the difference between the real garment and the, the digital double. And so we have a team of artists and engineers that are helping to make that happen. We're also working on ways to using AI to scale that process in a way that, you know, is is quicker and uh, doesn't involve as much sort of hand work. And I think that that'll only continue to get faster and faster. Yeah, and I'm sure that your experience within the industry has very much helped you to kind of source the highest quality of everything you need in order to bring it to life in the best way. So that's really interesting. And you mentioned that... Um, you're working with luxury products. So is that the sector that you're focusing on or are you going more for the fast fashion world? What is it that, what sector of fashion are you focusing on with BODs? Well, the goal is to have it be everywhere, right? The goal is to have BODs be the go-to try-on for everyone. That if you're shopping e-com and you want to try something on, that you do that via BODs. We started with luxury because my thought is that if you can do it in luxury and you can do it to that, level that is required then you can do it anywhere because luxury is a very discerning audience and so if you can be successful there you can obviously be successful anywhere and you can scale it beyond so that's why we started with luxury and um, i also think when you start with luxury it's it's a lot easier to get the halo effect than if you sort of start more mass market and try to go up market yeah i agree so i am wondering with bod so what's your main issue that you're trying to solve is it the um the fit issue and customer satisfaction or does it relate more so to sustainability to reduce returns what is your main driver and purpose that your company follows it's all of those things so i mean our 
our main drivers are to make sure that the customer is buying the garment that they're going to keep and that they're going to like, which basically is all of those things wrapped into one, right? If they're buying the garment that they that they know will fit and that they're going to keep, you're reducing the returns, which for almost all brands are anywhere between 35 to 70%. You're getting a 35 to 70% return rate on all e-com apparel, which is huge. If you think about that in any other aspect, if you went to a restaurant and the restaurant had, you know, 40% of the food that people ordered sent back, that would never work. It would never work as a business, but that is currently how e-com apparel is functioning. And so every company is looking to figure out how do we prevent these returns, not only because it's completely and totally unsustainable, but also because it's ruining their bottom lines. So they have, you know, they have a need to not only make their businesses more sustainable, make sure they're not back and forth shipping all of this stuff that, you know, is once it gets returned, a lot of times it's not resold, it's yeah. dumped, it's it's burnt, you know, it, it is already past the window of the season. So there's all sorts of problems with the return cycle. So if we can eliminate, you know, even a percentage of those returns, because the majority of returns are due to improper fit. Very rarely are you returning things because the color is not exactly right or, you know, the the quality. The majority of returns when you look at any of those stats are due to fit. So if we can make a dent there, that is huge for all of the reasons, sustainability, for, you know, bottom line for the brands and also for the customer. If you're the customer, you want to have an experience where you get the item, it fits you the way you want it to, you don't have to deal with the return. And you also, you know, you'll probably shop that brand again because you have had a better experience. So I think it's all around. You want the customer to have a great experience. You want people to be able to play around with style, experiment, do all of those things which they can't do normally when they're shopping online. And you want them to not return that item so that you don't have this sustainability issue or the uh, the bleeding of the bottom lines for the brand. Exactly. I think it is this kind of wider idea of bringing more personalization into the overall outdated way that the fashion supply chain works. And I think because of its static nature at the moment, we really need to shift it to be more dynamic. And this is just one way to do that. I personally do believe that, yeah, this the way that the supply chain is, is what is causing these sustainability and also economic issues for the fashion industry. Like you said, with if people sent 40% of their food back, you'd think that was absolutely ridiculous for a restaurant to accept in terms of just the money that they're losing. But yeah, it is weirdly accepted in the fashion industry. So, And I believe 3D technology, whether it is bringing in more on-demand fashion or AI for design to get the right product to market or within the fit, these are all ways that we can really tackle the biggest issue that it's facing. So I, I love how your brand focuses on this. And I truly do believe that it will bring um, massive positive change. But I am also interested to know kind of your personal relationship with 3D before bods and also just your general opinion on digital fashion and if you would actually wear digital fashion and how you think this comes into the industry. Yeah. So like I said, I was working in, I've been in the 3D space since around 2016. So quite a while. And um, I've always been interested in how we could bring fashion into it. And like I said, when I started in the 3D space, there was 
really no fashion there whatsoever. And so it's been really cool to see just the growth in the space over the last three years. It's been enormous. And I think that, you know, for us, having digital assets, like you just mentioned, for fashion is useful on so many levels, especially if they are actually accurate. You can use it on the sampling end. You can use it, you know, so you're, you're not shipping these samples back and forth. And you're, you're basically able to share these 3D assets internally and have people make changes, you know, request different different things on the sample and have that all be done without ever sh shipping a sample back and forth to China, right? So you can do it there. I think you can use these digital assets for fit. You can use these digital assets for styling, experimentation, for, you know, putting together looks and outfits. And then, yes, also for digital, for purely digital fashion. I think it's going to be a little while before digital fashion fully replaces people wearing clothing in the real world. So I think that the reason I built Bots the way that I did is we can sell digital fashion for the brands as well as allow you to try it on if you want to buy it as a real world garment as well. So we have a few brands that we're talking to right now where you can try it on and decide whether you want to purchase that as a real world garment or you can also have the option to purchase it as a digital garment. So we're giving customers more optionality than they've had before. So I think, you know, we, the way I see BODS is we're the bridge mm. to, you know, I, I do believe in digital fashion. I do believe it's going to take us a while to get there. Mm. And what are we doing in the meantime? Let's use these techniques and tools and, and services to, to bridge us. Yeah, there. I couldn't agree more. I think it's about uh, building on the digital experiences to sell the physical products, but that in turn will help people get on board more with digital fashion. So I think that's exactly um, the nail on the head. And yeah, it sounds like you're doing a great job at that. So it's really, really amazing. So thank you. As a closing question, what is the number one solution that you're trying to solve with this technology if you were to sum it up? The number one solution, I mean, again, I don't know if there is just one solution. I think that the the reason BODS is successful and I think is in demand more than any of its sort of competitors in the space is because it does, it, it solves so many problems. I mean, it solves the inclusivity problem as well. If you're looking at models online and they don't look like you, how are you making that determination of whether or not that item is going to work on you? Whereas with your bod, you know, you can you can choose your accurate skin tone. You can see it on your shape body. You're making decisions that are not, you know, based on a non-inclusive model that has existed forever. And so I think that there's, that's huge. And then on top of that, like we just talked about before, you're, you're making more accurate decisions, which is truly helping with sustainability in fashion and e-commerce. And you're bringing people on this journey that we will continue to all go on, which is the journey to digital. And we're not there yet. We're not living in a metaverse yet. So how are you going to get people there? And how are you going to get people who are not necessarily early adopters? Give them tools now to use for things that are that they're doing today and bring them on that journey with you is the way that 
the way that I see it. And, and for me, it's, it's super important. Bring people along. Most people that you talk to, I mean, it's still a niche space. Most people that you talk to are like, digital fashion, what is that? I, I don't even understand that. Why, how would I use it? What would I do? Whereas if you say to them, hey, you can try on garments on e-com before you, can, before you buy them, it's something that's very, very understandable by men, by women, and by people of all different ages. So if that's where you're meeting your customer, because that's what they understand now and bringing them on that journey, for me, that's huge. Yeah, I think that is the biggest takeaway that I'm taking from talking to you is that it is very digestible. And yeah, it resonates with the normal consumer straight away. So I think that's why it's yeah going to have so much positive value. So I'm really inspired by it. And I haven't seen a lot of things like it, but there's definitely a need for it. And something that I believe wouldn't take a lot of, people wouldn't take a lot of convincing to see the value in it. So I think it's really amazing um, what you're doing. Thank you. Um, and I think the technology yeah. that's required for it mm. is much more, is much more difficult than like purely creating, you know, digital fashion. Yeah. There's going to be yeah. a ton of competitors in the digital create like digital fashion creation space and um you know if we can get in there as providing a service to people that they're using for real world garments then why not exactly exactly it is really amazing so where can listeners find you where can they learn more about bods they can you know you can go to our website bods.me we're on instagram at bods inc and twitter as well and yeah they that's where they can find us currently amazing well thank you so much i have been very inspired by this and really think it's amazing so thank you thank you so much this has been wonderful thanks for having me Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.